Hello and welcome to the Joyfully Raising Brands podcast. I'm your host, Laura Lee. We are so glad you joined us today. The Joy-Filled Brand podcast and membership is geared towards grandparents raising grandchildren with a focus on community, resource, and love. We hope to shine a light on the positive actions we can take every day to become our best selves, serve our grandchildren well, and find joy every day. Before we get started with today's episode, I have a couple of announcements to share with you. The Joy-Filled subscription box is open and accepting new subscribers. If you are a busy woman looking for a joyful experience, we would love to serve you in this way. Joy-Filled is a monthly subscription box curated for busy women with so much love and joy. Our goal with this box is simply to give you a joy-filled experience. We know that you are busy, often taking care of others and likely not spending time on yourself. Contents of the box are a surprise each month and themed Often they are attire, self-care, motivational items chosen with love and joy just for you. If this sounds like something you'd love, hop over to myjoyfilled.com to subscribe. You'll want to also ensure that you are on our email list so that you're notified when the Mother's Day boxes are released. These will be a limited quantity and available only for a short time. You can choose to have these shipped directly to you for gifting or ship direct to that special woman in your life. In addition, I am hosting a one-time seminar called Finding Joy in Less Than Joyful Times. This session will be held live on Tuesday, April 12th at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, and a recording will be provided following the seminar for those who can't attend. If you're listening to this podcast, you are well aware that my life has not always been perfectly calm and without stress, challenge, and drama. You also likely know that I choose to live a life that is filled with joy, and I want to share with you some of the ways that I have overcome. In this 90-minute session, I'll share a bit of my story, the abuse, the challenges, and the sadness, and decisions that I make every day to overcome the negativity, the depression, the desperation to be accepted and loved for who I am. My goal is that every attendee leaves with something that can be implemented that day to bring you joy. My guarantee is that I will give you all I have to give in that 90 minutes. Come listen, cry, and laugh with me on April 12th at 2 p.m. Eastern. In order to attend live, registration is required. You can get registered and find more information about this event on our site at lauraleellc.com. On today's episode, we are going to talk meditation with Masako Kasawa. Masako is a Japanese native, mother, teacher, and student of mindfulness meditation. She is also the host of Why Not Meditate podcast. She is a photographer and a painter. Having gone through her version of the dark night of the soul, now her mission is to live the most expansive, fulfilling, authentic life and empower and invite others along the way. She loves coffee, nature, and fluffy creatures, and I'm so happy to share my friend Masako. Masako, I am so thrilled to have you on the show today. I am incredibly excited to introduce our audience to you. Why don't we get started? And if you wouldn't mind, just take a moment to introduce yourself to our audience. Just tell us a little bit about you. Well, thank you so much for having me here today, Laura. It's actually a pleasure. My name is Masako. I am from Japan. I was born and raised in Japan. And when I was a little child, my family, my dad um, traveled with our, his family for like every month, every, every summer, like for the entire month of August, the five of us, my parents, my sister and my brother and me, we traveled. Um, usually we came to the United States and we took road trips for an entire month of August. And that happened since I was like nine years old until high school or even college age. And that experience exposed me to a possibility of living in a different place, speaking different language. And that gave me a desire to study abroad. And 
learn English and possibly live in a foreign country somewhere. And so that's what I did.、Um, when I was 21, I got an opportunity to get a scholarship and come over to Northern Michigan to study for one year. And that experience was the beginning of, I guess, many. Changes in my life. And、um, that was incredibly challenging and exciting at the same time because I didn't really speak good English at that time, but I was just put into a college classes and I only understood maybe like half of what professors were talking about. <laughs> so if you can imagine how. Difficult it was, it was really difficult, but at, at the same time, it was fun to see how much I can learn and how much I can grow. Because、uh, until then, I felt like my childhood was really sheltered, protected, and I felt like I was constrained, I was not allowed to really challenge myself and then see. The limit, how much I can push. So, that opportunity to come over here and study and just be in a completely different culture gave me an opportunity to see my limits and then push、um, from there and then expand. And yeah, so that's what I did. I think that six months way into the The exchange program, I decided to transfer from the college I was attending in Japan and finish my undergraduate degree at Northern Michigan. And so brave. From, when you guys traveled, where did you travel? Like, when did you, when you came to the US, what states, where did you go? What did you do? We usually landed in San Francisco.、Mm-hmm. And from there, we rented a car. And my dad had a course. Do you remember the, the huge road atlas? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was the only map that you know, people had back then. There was no Google map or no navigation system.、Yeah. <laughs> so he would get the, the big map. And then before we left Japan, he would just flip through the pages and then. Make a general plan, like, okay, we are gonna land in San Francisco. And from there, this year, let's take、um, a trip to up to north and go through Canada and then come back through Colorado. And then we're gonna leave San Francisco again. <laughs> like, he would make a general blueprint of the trip. And then we'll get there. We usually know where to stay the first three days of the trip and the last three days of the trip close to the airport.、Mm-hmm. But besides those, it was just road trip. We will get、yeah. the、uh, directly of Best Western or you know, those chain、yeah. hotels and、yeah. we'll flip through and we'll find the place in the neighborhood. And yeah. Did you make it to the East Coast? We didn't. We went as,、yeah. as east as、um, like Texas. We, one year we, we started from Texas. And, but no, we never got to the East Coast. But we went through like almost all of the、uh, West Coast, Midwest, and some parts of Canada. That's amazing. I love <laughs> that. I love that. <laughs> Looking back, it's amazing. Like, How, like, my dad didn't really speak English that much either. None of us did. But, and then there was no cell phone, no, no, no technology. Yeah, we never really got into any trouble. <laughs> and he, was he driving when you came? He was over driving.、Here? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah. So, what was,、uh, your major, what was your major in college? I majored in. At first, English literature in a college that I attended in Japan. Then,、um, when I came to Northern Michigan, I had to declare, redeclare my major here. And back then, 
my dream was to become a flight attendant and then fly international. And flight attendant as an occupation is a very prestigious occupation in like many Asian countries. It's, it might not be in the United States, but it was the, the type of career for a woman who has a certain amount of education and a certain amount of cultural experience. So that's what I wanted to do. And I told my college advisor after I decided to transfer to Northern Michigan, I, want, you know, I told him I wanted to be a flight attendant and I'm going to major in speech communication because I think that's going to help. And he was really confused when I told him that he was like, but you've got good grade. Um, why don't you like go into graduate school instead? <laughs> and I thought about it and I did understand the difference between, you know, different perception of the, the career. And so I decided to go to graduate school after all. And I studied organizational psychology and I got my master's degree in organizational psychology at um, college in uh, East Coast because we moved between undergraduate and graduate school. I got married like a week after graduation, we got married. And yeah, looking back, I, looking back, I did not know what I was doing. (laughs) I love that you said that there was, you were just challenged to, um, to yourself to it. That's just amazing because many people just don't think like that. I can see from the early adventures with your dad, where that came from, perhaps. (laughs) I think so. Yeah. (laughs) That is uh, amazing. So you were at East coast. You actually finished in the East coast. I don't think I knew that you lived, lived over this way. Yes, I lived in Virginia Beach area for about five, five, six years. So you uh, finished up your master's Mm -hmm. and then what happened? And I was not sure. I I thought I wanted to do, um, get into the consulting field because that's what organizational psychology was kind of meant to, meant for. But um, at that time I was married and we lived in the area where there were not too many opportunities. And then we also had to move again because of his career. And so we ended up moving to Madison, Wisconsin. And um, it's just, I never got into that field in career-wise. And what I ended up doing was to move to Chicago and somehow I got into legal industry. At that time, my dream was to live in a big city because I grew up in a small town and I lived in like a more of a suburb, suburban areas. So I wanted to live in a big city. I wanted to live in a high rise. I wanted to work in a fancy office building in downtown. <laughs> and I did not really, when you try to like visualize your future, Um, It kind of comes true, but the things that you did not really like give details (laughs) that are kind of assigned, you didn't really choose. So those things came true, but I did not specify what kind of career or what kind of job I wanted to do. (laughs) Just had the uh, general idea of working in a nice downtown office. Mm -hmm. So um, ended up being working in legal industry because of my Japanese background. And I started in the immigration law and then to patent law. I never thought I would get into uh, intellectual property law, but I did. And I learned I didn't have any background, but they were looking for somebody who has Japanese language and cultural background. So I learned patent law from ground zero and stayed at the firm for seven years and then moved to another firm and basically did a similar job. But that time, the new position did not require Japanese language skill. Yeah. What a story. How do you, how do you get there? 
That's a great story. So you talk a little bit in your intro that, <laughs> that we shared with everyone that you have gone through your version of the dark night of the soul. Yeah. Did you get there yet in the story? <laughs> not well. Yeah. Yes. In, yes. I did not like go into the details, but yeah. So like I mentioned that I got married really young. I was 23 or 24 was between undergraduate and graduate school. And my ex-husband was also very young around the same age. And we were just two young people who did not know who we were, what we were doing, what we wanted out of life. We thought we knew everything, but we didn't. I, I did not know who I was. I didn't, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And we brought our set of, you know, I brought my set of like childhood origin story and he did, you know, bringing his. And when you bring like two people with different backgrounds, like we're talking not only just different family, but cultural backgrounds are so different. The languages and everything. It's really challenging to navigate all the different nuances in relationships. Like even like if you grew up in the same town, even relationship will be, you know, difficult and challenging. But if you add cultural differences and language difference and everything, it's pretty hard, <laughs> I would say. And I did not, I just did not know how to make it work. I didn't know why it was not working out. And I grew up in a happy household and my parents are still together to this day. But that example that I had, I really could not apply because everything was different, different generation, different location, culture, everything. So I really like struggle to find the, the answer or key. And going back to my childhood, um, I grew up as an atheist. My family believed that there's no really God or higher power or anything. And my religion was kind of what my dad believed. And once I left home, once I left my parents' umbrella, I just did not have any spiritual anchor to rely on. So when life struggles happened, I didn't have anything to hold on to. And through that, and that was a, the first, really the first life struggle that I had. Until then, I was so protected. I didn't really experience things on my own. And I followed my parents' guidance. And as long as I was following their guidance, I was okay. I didn't really have to face anything on my own and then take the responsibility. And so marriage, after marriage in a foreign country, I struggled and I searched for the answer. And through some friends that I made at school, I became Christian. I was invited to my friends' churches and, and a little by little, my heart opened. I, I was already broken. And I was finally like ready to receive. And yeah. So actually my ex-husband and I became Christian at the same time. We got baptized together. That's a really beautiful part of the story. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. But the struggles did not end there. It was just the beginning. <laughs> um, even though you get like saved and become, you know, a believer, the life is still challenging, right? It's not like it's going to solve everything for you overnight. Um, so yeah, our marriage, after like 10, 12 years of marriage, we uh, it had to end. 
And from there, our daughter was only a year and a half when we decided to separate. And I was the primary caretaker at that time. And I was working full time at law firm, one of the law firms. And, and it was tough. It was rough. My parents came over like a month at a time. I think I asked them to help me out like twice. But eventually, like, I kind of had to take care of my daughter on my own. And although he, ex- my ex husband was involved in that co parenting too, but it was just too much to do for me physically. I was physically exhausted. And I think when my daughter was three, four years old, my health really went downhill. Until then, I think my mental and emotional health was suffering, but I did not really notice or I didn't do anything about it until my physical health went down. Then it caught my attention because I had to do I, I had to keep working. I had to keep taking care of my daughter and I was ready to try anything that might help me. And when you are physically not feeling well, it's very difficult to be optimistic or positive. And so taking care of my health became the primary um, focus for me. So I tried a bunch of things. I tried adding things to my diet, removing things from diet. I um, started doing certain exercises. I was reading all things about like biohacking and improving your health somehow. And and then I um, noticed that all the people that I was reading about who were at the top of their game, all of them had some sort of mindfulness practice that they religiously followed. And at that time, I was really ready to try. I was desperate to try anything. And I never thought of meditation as a thing for me to do, but I thought, I'm just going to try it and see what happens. Mm -hmm. And what these people are saying, it made positive impact in their lives. So it might be good for me too. So that's how I got into meditation. It was just one of the things I tried. But looking back, that was, has been the biggest game changer in my life. Let's talk about some of the benefits of meditation for you, maybe Mm -hmm. in things that you have experienced or heard from others. Yeah, so the benefits of meditation is multi-layered, compounding, cumulative, and it's kind of magical when you think about it because like one day at random time, one day you would notice, I would, I would notice that I I would catch myself thinking about something and I never really did before. I never really noticed my thoughts that much. And I was living like a robot, like a machine. I was, my body was moving. I was getting things done, but I was not there. I was absent, but through meditation, doing that for a certain time period, one day I noticed that I was actually home. I was inside of me and I was thinking certain things. I saw myself, I was, I became aware of myself thinking and then seeing things and thinking certain ways. And that was the biggest moment when you realize that what you're thinking and then that means you can change what you're thinking because your thoughts create and influence what you do 
and what you do influence how you live and what kind of life you live. So seeing that connection, that was such an eye-opening. And once I became more aware of that, I just wanted to see what else could be possible through meditation. I, I was just so curious. And I noticed that I was making better decisions because I was aware of what I was thinking, what I was doing. And it led me to like take some meditation classes. The way I started meditation was just to find a YouTube video or some sort of guided meditation that I like. And I start listening and I start reading certain books about meditation and it got me more curious. I thought meditation was somewhat woo-woo out there. And I was not sure if I could buy into it, but I read um, a book called How to Become Supernatural by Dr. Joe Dispenza. And in that book, he had all the scientific data mm-hmm. and about the, uh, the brain waves, heart rate, um, nervous system. And that really uh, sold me the idea. Like this meditation thing is actually like valid. It's scientifically proven. Mm-hmm. And once I got that idea down, I was able to really like 100% like believe in it. Then I was occasionally going into a meditation studio right next to my office, former office building. And then I noticed that they were giving a teacher training. It's a hundred hour meditation teacher training. And I thought, you know what? I don't think I'm going to teach ever because I don't feel comfortable doing that. But I would like to deepen my practice. And I'm just curious if I go through this further into meditation, what else could could I see and could I discover? So I signed up. I went through the three months training. And that's toward the end, very end of the training. That's when pandemic started. And I am so thankful that I spent that first three months of 2020 in the like intensive meditation, because without that experience, I probably would have suffered, struggled more mm-hmm. through the lockdowns and all the changes that we had to go through. Right. Yeah, for sure. Let's, um, let's talk a little bit about the different styles of meditation. So sure. for, our, for our audience, I think there are a couple of things that would be really beneficial. One, and I talk about this a lot, is just the fact that grandparents who are raising grandchildren often are feeling some sort of way, uh, whether that's mm-hmm. resentful or some mm-hmm. sort of, sort of a, some part of the grief process. And the benefits of meditation mm-hmm. to overcome those types of feelings is significant. And so there are, there are a whole lot of ways to, to meditate. And I've tried a few, but I'd love it if you could share some of some styles or some ways or things that might be helpful for listeners that haven't ever tried meditation and really mm-hmm. just weren't sure what options are available to them. Yeah, there are many styles and I think all, all of them are good. I think it's just, you need to try somewhere, try with one style and see if you like it. If not, then try another. That's how I started my meditation journey. If there is any like resentment in your heart, I would recommend loving kindness meditation. It's basically spreading the uh, the loving and kindness to yourself first and then to the surroundings it goes from you to outward if you are 
just if you're skeptical, if you've never really tried, then I would just recommend being like quiet for a minute or two and、mm-hmm. just pay attention to your, your breath and then see how that feels after one minute or two minutes of doing that. There, you can say mantra, you can say certain affirmation, you can also listen to the guided meditation. Because then you don't have to really, there's somebody who's holding the space that might be easier at the beginning. Yeah, any style. I think it's really important to let people know too. And I remember this when I first started meditation, is that I would get into it and 30 seconds in, my mind is racing about whatever <laughs> yeah. key things are on, on the list, on the to do list today that I'm not getting done because I'm now trying to find this quiet space. And、mm-hmm. it's okay when that、That's, happens. Oh my it, gosh, it's supposed to. <laughs> oh, mind is supposed to do that. <laughs> I, I, would, I would say、um, the purpose is to almost like build a muscle. So that you would notice that your mind is thinking a thought.、Mm-hmm. Your mind is supposed to think that it's only doing its job, but you are not that mind. You are there, separate, distant from the mind that's thinking. And then you are observing what the mind is thinking. And Just catching yourself, like, oh, my mind is thinking this again, but being okay with that. But knowing you are the mind is not running you, you are the one who is in the driver's seat,、mm-hmm. not the mind. If you let your mind drive your car, it's gonna go crazy places in a crazy speed. <laughs> You're in a driver's seat, that, and that mind is in the passenger seat or back seat. You have, you always have the control, and your mind can just bounce around in the back seat and then tell you where to go. But you have the steering wheel. I also really love the, the singing bowls. I have found、mm. that those are just incredibly relaxing. Have you used those at all? I have. I don't have them with me, but yeah, at Meditation Studio, yeah. the... The sound is healing. We are all vibrational beings, and the sound comes to us directly, affects us directly, whether we realize it or not.、Mm-hmm. Do you have the sound balls? or? I don't. I、um, search, generally speaking, YouTube or online、mm-hmm. to, find, to find them. I do have friends who have singing bowls, and I always find it. I always. The, the meditations are amazing, but I also find it incredibly interesting that those who own them often、mm-hmm. they don't just buy a, buy a bowl, like、mm-hmm. they let the bowl call to them.、Um, so it's more about the sounds and the vibration. So,、yeah. shopping for I have friends who have spent so much time shopping for the right bowl, it's just an incredibly、mm-hmm. interesting story to listen to. Wow. <laughs> so, I like the stories as well as the, the style of meditation as well. Yeah. There's no right or wrong way. That's the thing. You reap the benefits either in, from any way.、Mm-hmm. So, how can you,、um, can you pinpoint, Masaka, like in your world, what has meditation done for you? Can you pinpoint some things that are just very different? From a time prior to meditation? Yeah. Yeah. Pre meditation, I've been talking to people who do meditate on my podcast and the changes that they have gone through, the transformation is amazing. It's unbelievable. And My personal experience has not been that drastic, I don't, I don't think, but there is definitely a distinct difference between pre meditation me and post meditation me. And I don't know if the transformation was overnight, but 
there's definitely a difference. I used to, like I was saying, I used to live like a robot, empty, like feeling numb inside, going through the motion, getting up in the morning, dressing up and going to work or drop off my daughter and then do the work, check the emails, talk to certain people, come home or pick up my daughter and cook dinner, go to bed, (laughs) start all over. I was like just kind of dead inside, not aware of what I was, what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Then post meditation, I am actually here experiencing life. I am aware of my thoughts more. I am aware when something is about to trigger me, I am aware, oh my gosh. This is going to trigger me. How Mm -hmm. am I going to react? Can I react or can I respond? Like I have this bandwidth, extra space where I can take a moment and examine what's happening and decide what I am going to do. That empty like space, I never had before. I think that's the biggest difference. Yeah, that's a great example. Today, in even in public schools, we often find mindfulness teachings and brief meditations and things that are being taught um, mm-hmm. at the at a very young age. Have Have you had any experience? Do you work with kids? Have you had any experience in children's meditations or um, examples that we could give to our listeners? maybe a a practice for children. So I have a daughter who is 11 and she knows that I meditate and she knows that I do a podcast about meditation. I have not really forced her to meditate with me. Mm -hmm. I want it to be um, her own decision at at her age. But with the other day, we did a guided meditation together. There was a live stream by Dr. Joe Dispenza and we sat down for like 20 minutes and she was really there. And after that 20 minutes, she went back to her room and then a minute later she came out and she said to me, you know, I thought I was going to go back to my room and check my phone. But somehow I felt that was not the right thing to do at this moment. I noticed that I was hungry. So I came out, I'm going to eat something. And my heart area, my chest feels really warm after the meditation. And when I heard that, I was like, oh my gosh, the kids are so open and receptive they don't have any, or they don't have much preconceived idea of meditation or anything. And it is the greatest time to start. Yeah. Do you have any favorites that you recommend like recorded like YouTube's YouTube videos, or what do you recommend to people that when um, they're just getting started? I use um, an app just because it's convenient. Mm -hmm. It keeps track of your meditation time. So that kind of gives you motivation to keep going. Like Mm -hmm. how many days in a row you did and how many cumulative hours you've done. I use the app called Insight Timer. And in there... There are so many great guided meditation, not only guided meditation, but music, meditation music. There are also lectures. There are also yoga practice. Um, And basically, so many of them are for free. You could become a member and then get more access. But Mm -hmm. it's amazing to have resources, free resources. Yeah, so that's my go-to technology when it comes to meditation. 
I'll have to check that out. I don't have that app. I'm always racing for the internet, but it seems a little more convenient to have an app handy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then you can create your profile and it keeps track of your record. So I like that too. It gives you a visual idea of how many hours you've spent meditating. (laughs) Not like, you know, we're trying to uh, break the record or anything. That's awesome. I love it's goal goal oriented. (laughs) (laughs) Did you want to try to do a meditation with our listeners? Anything brief? Sure. We can do a breathing exercise. Yeah. I would normally put some music, but let's just do it here because your listeners are probably listening like anywhere, but if, if they're driving, I don't recommend closing their eyes. (laughs) Good idea. So wherever you are, just stop whatever you're doing. And if you are standing, you can keep standing. If you're sitting, sit straight, your spine straight and your head, the clown of your head straight. Create more room between your ears and your shoulders and your sit bones on the ground or cushion or wherever you're sitting. And if you're sitting on a chair, I want your feet to be grounded on the floor or ground. And if you're lying down, just stay comfortable where you are. If you feel comfortable, close your eyes and start noticing your breath. Are you breathing shallow or is it long or is your heart beating fast or slow? And we're going to do a inhale through your nose, two counts, and hold your breath at the top for three counts, and then exhale for four counts. And to start, empty your breath, empty the air out of your lungs all the way through. And inhale, one, two. Hold, one, two, three. Exhale, one, two, three, four. Let's do it again. Inhale, one, two. Hold, one, two, three. Exhale, one, two, three, four. You can continue breathing in your regular normal rhythm. And come back to where you were before. You can open your eyes. You can move your body. You can shake your head and just give a little gentle shake to your body. And... How do you feel? What a nice break. (laughs) We all need that. It doesn't take that much or that long, right? It's a bonus. Thank you. Welcome. My pleasure. I am privileged to call you friend in, uh, in not just to share you with, with our listeners, but I'm privileged to call you friend. I'm so grateful for your friendship. Thank you. Let's talk a little bit about what you have available to others and what you're Mm -hmm. working on. And we haven't mentioned the photography part of what you do. And I'd love to share that with our listeners too. Thank you, Laura. Yeah, the photography has been one of my favorite things to do. Growing up, I loved drawing. I thought I was going to do that for my career. But my parents were very traditional in terms of education. So they thought that was not going to be a good career for me. So that's how I got into English literature and then law and (laughs) other areas. But um, I still love the visual arts and that never went away. So nowadays, photography is how I apply that passion. And um, 
I am hosting a um, photography workshop and what I want to do with that is by looking at like a lot of people's photos and then me, my, my photos too, I always wonder like what makes photography one, one photo better or greater than the other when two images are both beautiful and then taken with a nice quality camera. And it's been like one of the, uh, the questions that I have been asking for years and um, little by little, I came to a realization that the photography that you capture is nothing more than your internal state of being reflected outside. I think that meditation definitely gives you, makes you more creative and gives you more awareness of your surroundings and you become aware of things and you see things. Maybe you see things differently than you did before. And that's I wanna how I approach my photography nowadays. And that's the message that I am telling through my workshop that I offer now. And currently I am offering um workshop. It's uh, three sessions, 45 minutes each on Zoom. And we'll go over your photography and what you want to tell, what kind of story you want to tell through your photography and how you can enhance or improve, or maybe like find discover yourself through the photography that you do. So that's, yeah, available right now. Wonderful. And we will put in the show notes ways that folks can find you your website, Facebook group. And um, I also want to make sure we touch on your podcast. I'm a regular listener. So <laughs> I'd like to share that with others too. Yes. So I started a podcast called Why Not Meditate? And that title gives it away. <laughs> it's about meditation. And it's the why not is my attitude toward meditation or any other life adventures. Basically, meditation has been, like I mentioned, the biggest game changer in my life. And it's free. And uh, you can do it anywhere, anytime. And it could do so many great things. It could lower your stress. It could lower, um, lower your blood pressure. It's been proven. It could enhance your creativity. And there's so many benefits. And no bad side effect. It's literally the best drug that you can take and get high. <laughs> it's legal. <laughs> I think it's too good to be true, too good to be true not to try. So that's the message that I spread through my podcast. And sometimes I have guests who share their transformation through meditation. And sometimes it's my solo podcast. That's awesome. We um, will also put the, put the link for the podcast in the show notes as well. Like I would like your listeners to, to know that, yes, the life gives us challenging situations, but we are more powerful than we are made to believe, than we were programmed to believe. And we have control over our thoughts and that will give us control over everything else. Once you know how to really examine and control your thoughts, that would change your behavior and that would change the course of your life. I think especially in these crazy times that we are living on, that having resources such as meditation in your toolbox are yeah. just incredibly important. And for families like many of our listeners who are experiencing things that are different or challenges that are some days feeling really hard, mm -hmm. then meditation is just a great and wonderful tool to have available to you. So I hope that each of you will take a listen to Masako's 
podcast, jump over on her website and find her to be a really valuable resource on the journey. Thank you so much, Laura. Of course, of course. It's been a pleasure. Today's episode was both an incredible story, but also one filled with tactical practices that we can use today. We each have our own journey that got us to where we are today. And for me, it is so valuable to learn practices that I can use for my family. Meditation has so many benefits. I would encourage you to give it a try today. I would love to hear your feedback from today's episode. Let's connect on social and let me know what you think. If you'd like to hear more about Masako, her podcast or photography courses, the links to all things Masako are in the show notes. As always, friends, thank you for joining me today. It is my pleasure to serve you in this way. There is joy in knowing that we're not on this path alone. If you found this podcast meaningful to you, please leave a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts. That helps to elevate the algorithm and allows more grand families to find us. We'll see you next time.